And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. Episode then four. we're back. Then we're back. <laughs> I, I forgot. Yeah. Dude, it was bound to happen at some point, I huh? Just remembered at the last seconds. Yeah, we're back. Then we're back. Episode 54, brother. You ready to do this? A gadoosh. <laughs> Part two of the Beaver Trilogy. Uh, before we get into it, Let's remind our listeners, if you're just discovering this amazing podcast, this is part two of the Beaver Trilogy 4. Now, that's a mouthful, Dave. Yep, I always have one. So let's make sure and realize that you need to back up, listen to episode 53, and get yourself some Beaver Trilogy 4 part one. One. Now, those of you that listen and support us, thank you. First of all, shout out Grant Mastercraft this week. You were a huge help to me, as well as Crypto J. So thank you. Thank you for your support. And uh, more importantly, uh, like we, I've said it a million times, Dave, this podcast doesn't run on butterscotch and children's laughter now, does it? Uh, no, 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 no. We have a roadcaster. We got power. <laughs> we got a computer here, dude. We, we got overhead. We got overhead. Yep. yep. That's a good word here. So we go ahead. Stuff, so dude. go ahead and give us a follow yes. on Twitter. Like, share, and subscribe. Like, share, and subscribe. Find us on Twitter, Down on the Docks, and find us on Instagram at Down on the Docks Pod. Yep. And if you're lonely and single um, yes. and haven't been able to connect with me on Bumble, shoot me an email at Down yeah. on the Docks pod at gmail.com yes so um we need to also uh Special remember your boy <laughs> we need to also remember that this podcast is fueled by a sponsor that we're very grateful for dave do you mind telling everybody about our sponsor for this week's episode this week's episode of down in the docks is brought to you by broccoli farms established in 2016 san diego by the way broccoli farms 619 on instagram mm-hmm San Diego, California by Candace entrepreneur Anthony Bird, our friend Anthony. Nice guy. Never met him. Great guy. Never met him. Broccoli Farms is a modern take on cannabis brands around the world. By combining new terminology involving cannabis worldwide, Anthony created a cannabis brand that uniquely represents the entire cannabis industry as one. Broccoli Farms. How many times did I say cannabis in that sentence? Three, four, maybe four, five. Four. I think four times. You know what? That's also my fault. The lowest delivery minimum in San Diego, bar none. All right. Sticky straps. Sticky straps. <laughs> Dave. Give me some water. Dave, now I want to commend you, first of all, because I think you did a really good job last week. Yes. Of paying attention to what I was worried was going to be a very complicated episode. It still was very complicated, but thank you. But you got and it. And you're welcome. And you knew what was going on. Yeah. So as you recall, I mean, I, I knew it was going on after it was explained to me that that the same movie, they tried to make the same movie and just called it a different movie a bunch of times. Let's back up, shall we? Sure. Trent Harris. No oh boy. Working for KUTV. Yes. You know, which is a pretty cool gig in the 70s working on their, yeah, their public radio. acts at PBS Making type show. $12 a day. Probably. But he's got a lot of creative freedom to make these little, you know, short films. And he has a job at Extra who's letting him put his work on the air. Well, of course, one day, uh, Dick Griffiths shows up in the parking lot. That's right. 
aka Gary Gary Groove and Gary. Yeah. And he just finds Dickie him Griffs. make he finds him to be the most intriguing person he's ever seen in his life. Right. Granted, the guy's pretty fucking weird. Yeah. Um, and then he creates this documentary about him, mm-hmm. airs it on extra, but then he says, you know what? I need to make a movie about this guy. Mm. So he pays Sean Penn $100 of pizza. They shoot right. it. Right. And then he's like, nah, I didn't get it right this time. No. Let's go for round three. Round if three. I gave me 50 grand, I'm getting Crispin Glover and some lights and cameras, yep. and I'm really doing it this time. So uh, as you know, as we left it, our goal was to watch the Beaver Trilogy so then we get it. Uh, talk about it once we finish the Beaver Trilogy, but where Beaver Trilogy Four, right? But where we left off in the Beaver Trilogy Four was Crispin Glover's wacko appearance yes. on the David Letterman show. Amazing! I did watch it again. It's fucking brilliant. Go on YouTube and watch it if you haven't seen it. It's one of the highest downloaded David episode, <laughs> David Letterman episodes of all time. Yep. So we finish with Glo- uh, Glover's wacky interview. And we're going to pick it up from there. Okay. So basically what happens is this. Trent finishes his film, Ruben and Ed, starring Crispin Glover. This is his first first feature film at this point. Now, it starts to get a little bit of buzz. You know, people are calling Trent uh, an original filmmaker. Um, and then he makes the jump to Hollywood. Um, local people at the station are basically saying he became famous um, and he was a legend at Channel 2. And, you know, people are saying you are so close to your dream. You almost have it. Um, One reporter says, I was so excited for Trent and I knew how excited he was. And here's the problem. Yes. They release his film. Uh Uh-huh. Guess when? Uh, During (laughs) 9-11. It's a good guess. During the L.A. riots. Oh, no. <laughs> so basically what happens is yeah. this. Nobody, Rodney, Rodney King's 9-11. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically. Never forget. It screens in L.A. and seven people show up. No, mm-hmm. no, no, yep. no. Now, uh, now I know how Burt Kreischer feels. Oh, did the same thing happen to Bird? No, he just released his movie and seven people showed oh, up. Oh, that what was that movie called? The Machine. The Machine. Got it. With Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. God, Hamill must be desperate, huh? <laughs> He's also a terrible actor. Yeah, dude. And I I don't know if we talked about this here. I don't think so. But I started watching not the prequels, but the last round. Right, of, okay. And the Oof. one the one where Carrie Fisher's floating out in space and yeah. he's drinking blue milk out of the fucking The titty. The fake uh, cute birds. The, I was like, yeah, it's like the, it's like a, it's I was like like, a dinosaur giraffe. This shit is ruined, man. Yeah. So titty milk. I, I don't know if I can finish the rest of those new Star Wars movies. No, because there's no hot girls to finish on. Oh, finish on. Boy, you have a way with words, yes. don't you? Silver tongued devil. Okay. So right. Trent also says the critics. Because of the Rodney King riots, they were in a mean mood. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't yeah. like they didn't like the movie. It was like they hated the movie. Yeah. This is the worst oh, movie of the decade. Oh, Jesus. So what does Trent do? He says, fuck this. We're going to start our own riots. I'm getting out of L.A. I'm going back to Salt Lake. Wow. So he didn't last long in L.A. So 
the next shot we see in the Damn, movie. The timing was fucked. Damn it. Dude, time. Here's what I know about timing. Some of the best comedians you've never seen were in the wrong room. Yep. Okay. When they had the most amazing sets I've seen. Yeah. And literally, I mean by inches. I've seen comedy development people from Comedy Central, you know, who you you name it, come to see back in the day we did showcases. Okay. Yeah. Showcases were huge in, in the two thousands and two thousand tens. We all had managers. Yeah. And our managers would do comedy development night and they would bring in all these amazing people and they would show up and you would see somebody go up and eat a fucking massive dick and walk the room and then you would see the next guy go up meaning me destroy right and there's nobody there nobody. that matters right, right. it's so crazy we don't matter it's that. so crazy how that yeah. can happen yeah in life in in whatever and how, how big you know obviously we know that Hollywood in itself is a complete fucking crapshoot. Yes. But when you have something in your hand like fire and you're just crushing on stage and people are like, whoa, that's the most amazing shit I've ever seen. But it's just comics telling you. Yeah. Because the fucking comedy development guy couldn't handle it. And yeah, you got bounced bailed. by the cringe, cringe yeah. lord. By the you know, flavor of the month. It happens yeah. all the time. So yeah. anyway, back to the show. So the next thing we see... Do you remember the Mormon temple that they relied on? Yep. Okay, with the angel Moroni on top? Yes. So the next thing we see is a shot of a spaceship Whoa. floating in front of the temple. And you're like, okay, <laughs> what exactly are we doing here? Now it's clearly How filmed. bad does it look? Not good at all. Not good it at looks all. real bad. Well, Trent says, you know, I'd come off the Reuben and Ed thing where everybody was saying it was the worst movie of the decade, and then people were saying Ed Wood, Plan 9, was the worst movie ever made. And I said, fuck them. I'm going to make Plan 10. Ed Wood, the movie? Like, what? The okay, movie you I don't know the movie Plan 9 from Outer Space? No. Okay, so Plan 9 from Outer Space is widely regarded as the worst movie ever made in the history of Interesting. Hollywood. They did, uh, there was a movie about it called Ed Wood. Johnny Depp was in it. That's hard, and this will probably get cut out. But that, but Why? There's, there's literally a movie called Gay Niggers in, in Outer Space. Why would you cut that out? I know the movie. It's okay. fine. Okay, it's great. a movie. It exists. Yes. Okay. So the point is, that movie is notoriously the worst movie. So I think, if I recall a lot right, Bella Lugosi was hired and he died. In the middle of Bella the movie. Bella Lugosi. Yeah. I've always heard that name and never knew who that was. Okay. So back Bella in, Lugosi. Back in the day, you had. Is it Bella Lugosi? Or what? Bella Lugosi, one I, word? I, mean, I, always used to, I never even used to know it was Shia LaBeouf. I used to think it was Sh Shia Buff. No, it's Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi. So back in the days, you had Lon. Uh, not Lon. Sir Han, Sir Han. It's fucking Lon Chaney. So you had Lon, Lon Chaney, Chaney and Bella Lugosi. These were the guys that played all the villains. These back. are women. No. These no. Are men. Wow. Okay. <laughs> they were they're men. They played um like the Draculas, you know, the Frankensteins. That's where I heard Bella Lugosi from. Yeah. From the 
Blah, dude, son, your blah. Yes, exactly. I drink your blah. So he literally hires Bell Lugosi, who's on his last legs, to be in the film. But then Bell Lugosi dies. So he hangs a curtain. This is Ed Wood directing himself, playing. Okay, Bell. so what I'm actually. Okay, continue, continue, continue. Yeah, so, right, right, right. So anyway, he has to finish his scenes, and like he. Pull, puts a curtain on half of his body and pretends to be Bela Lugosi. You're talking about the actual Ed Wood. Yes. So when you said Ed Wood, I've only seen... Is it Ed Wood or Ed Woods? It's Ed Wood. Okay, Ed Wood. I've only seen the Johnny Depp. So you've seen the movie? I've seen the movie, Ed Wood. And you Wood. still don't even know what's going on? I hate movies. I guess so. And documentaries. I know. And, and I appreciate movies. your time for showing up. I hate it all. Unless it's science and so nature So anyway... Plant, there was like a famous Seinfeld episode where they go see Planet Nine from outer space because Maybe it's, that's where because it's the worst movie of all time. That's why we're going. Yeah. Why do we want to go see an awful movie? That's the point. It's the worst movie. So it's got this amazing cult following. And Trent was like, well, I'm going to make Planet 10 from outer space. Yeah. So... Bill Hader says the Mormon sci-fi thriller would be produced on a shoestring budget with a ragtag crew of friends. So we have, we meet these actors and they're like, uh, he was like, Hey, uh, what I want to do is rewrite the script and, uh, you'll basically be the protagonist. Another one's like, um, so you need to play the dad. Um, but you have a station wagon, right? This goes back to what I was saying. Don't ever work for your friends. Once you hit the age of 30. Okay, right. Because you need to be compensated because your yes. friends are basically just Gonna having make... you dress the set yes. because they're broke dicks. Yes. And they don't. Exactly. So anyway, it's a big fun thing. Everybody's out to support him. Why do thing for more money when you can do same thing for little money? Exactly. <laughs> so we see a clip. The Confucius said that we see a clip and there's a bare ass naked guy. Yeah. Standing in front of that statue. This is the place in front of Brigham Young. And he just screams out, this is the place. So obviously, you know, it's going to be a fucking weird movie. Yeah, for sure. Well, after Trent finished Plan 10 from Outer Space, he was accepted to the same local film festival that had previously screened his work. Right. But this time, the once floundering U.S. Film Fest Festival, well, that was the precursor to Sundance. Right. So it was pretty, pretty big deal. You know, you're getting your 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 movie in this emerging independent film market where buyers and sellers from Hollywood are going to see your stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Trent says it's it, like a flea market for Hollywood. <laughs> well, not anymore. Now it's just owned by the studios. Yeah. And they backdoor their product in there. Yeah. So there's so it's that like and so it's like all the Comic Con bullshit. How Comic Con used to be cool, yeah, and now it's now all it's all commercialized. Exactly, they just make you think like you're getting the deal. Yeah, and like I, I mentioned on a couple episodes, I went once, and once was enough for me. Yeah, right. I'm good for the rest of my life yeah. on my one Comic Con. Yeah, uh, very. By the way, very underwhelming. Wanna, by the way, I forgot that we have a sensor button. So, yeah. oh, we, we could, do. Could just use that. And well, just said gate from out of space, buddy. I don't care. Here's the thing. The N-word is an acceptable word to sure. use if yeah. you're using it in context. Yeah. The last thing we're going to do is censor ourselves talking about one of the greatest black exploitation films of all time. <laughs> it's <is> true. Okay? <laughs> I'm familiar with the movie. I mean, they made these <laughs> work so hard. <laughs> okay. Now you're just abusing your privilege. Okay. No, hold on. Real yeah. quick, though. With this thing, it's like, 
Um, yes. It's like, let's just make up a word. It doesn't even matter. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even say, like, you fucking black person to a black person's face unless you're trying to make them feel bad. Like, it's all with the intent behind it. What year did that movie come out? Because I'm aware uh, I want to say it's in the mid-80s. I'm looking it up right now. Okay. To continue. Interesting. Yeah, I'll look it up. So, anyway, um, Trent says, look, it did okay on the festival thing, but I never made a dime off of it. Well... Even though it plays at Sundance, uh, Plan Nine. Plan By the 10. way, that's a very risky lookup on on Google. Oh, you, you didn't do it on my computer, did no, you? I did not. Oh, please go on on uh, incognito I'm mode. In a, I'm on my own computer. Okay, incognito, incognito go, mode. Go, you're fine. Don't worry. So anyway, bad news. Oh no, he's Plan, dead. No, Plan oh. Ten was a bomb too. Well, obviously. Yeah, right. I mean, it was the point of the bomb. Yeah. No, actually, no. But then Planet Nine made money. But only because I don't it was think a Planet bomb. Nine made money at oh, all. Oh no! Okay. No, no, no. So, Ed Wood made money. I, yeah. And like, gay. N words. Yeah, not his face. Yeah, I'm sure that made money. Yeah. You see how I say it's okay, but then I'm too much of a pussy to say it. No, there's no because you didn't have the power of the censor behind you. Oh, I could okay. just say <laughs> all the fucking time I want. You stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's fucking great, dude. Okay. So anyway, at this point. His dreams are over. No. He's got two major Hollywood failures back yeah. to back. Yeah. So now how much did he say? How much did he get for the to make those movies? He got fifty grand to make Ruben and Ed. Okay. They don't I, I'm guessing on plan ten from outer space, it was a lot less. So anyway, we check back in with Dick's sisters. And these women are oracles of sage advice. 1992 is when GNFOS came out. Okay. Uh, how I, guess, I guess it wouldn't be GN, it'd just be G. What's the running time on that, by the uh, way? Running time on this movie, on this film, yeah. by Morton Lind... Wow, really? Directed by a Jew, huh? <laughs> What's his Jesus. name? Morton Lindbergh. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. So, hey. Morty. Sounds like somebody flipped the script there, huh? Morty. Can we make a movie and just call it? <laughs> yeah, hold on. It, the runtime on it is... It's not easy to... Oh, 26 minutes. Yeah, it's a short. It's not a, oh, wow. not a big... These standards back in the day. Terrible standards. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get off of this already. Let's go. Continue. His sisters, they check in with his sisters. And they say, Hollywood is Hollywood. And you have to separate Hollywood from real life. Hollywood is Hollywood. That was a big lesson for Dick. Right. Um, Ken Fall. Now, you got to remember, Ken Fall worked at Extra, but he kind of was close to Dick. I know his brother, Ken Spring. <sighs> okay. He said, I guess, you know, I had a little accident. And I said, yeah, are well, you I did okay? Ken Fall? No, no, no. It's no, not exactly. Ken Fall. It's Dick. He oh. shot himself. Oh, remember? Okay, yeah, shot sorry. himself in the heart. Went dad right. downstairs and had right. breakfast with dad. And dad's like, don't you bleed on my eggs, it's you right. faggot. He changed his shirt. That's right. <laughs> so anyway. Hey, you have to say you f get. Okay, my bad. Anyway, um, he says, yeah, I'm fine now. But it wasn't an accident. He told me it wasn't an accident. Right. That he didn't know why that he wasn't really connected up to a sense of reality mm -hmm. at the time. Well, remember the mortician that did Dick's makeup? Yeah. Well, she's not around anymore. So mortician they go, Lindsberg. They go to the daughter of the mortician. Right, right, right. She says that I think after Dick survived, I just think a little piece of him just never 
ever came back. Does that make sense? Well, because it got blown off yeah, by the gun. I was gonna say it's the long, it's, it's the, the long? heart, it's like the perfect <laughs> tee shot. You knocked it out <laughs> yeah, of the park. Thank you, well sir. done. Yay. So Dick's sister says, I'm sure Trent Harris saw a story, and I'm sure he had his own reason for doing what he did, but it put the cap on what Dick did. Mm-hmm. To see what somebody put it, yeah. See what they did there. Yeah, these, says, sis, these sisters are gold mines. Yeah, yeah, They're just yeah. setting up the tee shots. Thank well, God. the other one says, and all of us did the same thing. It was like, well, we thought nobody ever sees that. Well, it's time to meet Dick's nephew. Okay, Dick reads the Salt Lake Tribune article, and he finds out about Groove and Gary, mm-hmm. and he's like, I had no idea Groove and Gary was my uncle. Whoa, and. Dick's niece says it was something we didn't talk about. And we just heard it through the grapevine, you know, while you, you know, people were kind of chatting in the background and uh, we didn't realize that it came from the Beaver trilogy. Well, Dick's nephew says, I can see a certain part of his personality and would be really happy just that he was up on the big screen getting his 15 minutes. And I could see another part that would be, well, we all have those moments when we put ourselves out there and afterwards there's a hint of glory and a hint of regret where you're like, wow, I did something special. But at the same time, you're like, did I go too far? And I can see him feeling both ways right. and feeling really conflicted about it. To me, that's what made the story so interesting. Well, mm. he turns into a recluse at Aww. this point. Like a spider? <laughs> Stupid. Just, Man, I'm retarded. It just disappears. It starts spinning a web. It, spinning a web of reclusiveness. Yes. So he kind of goes off the radar and just disappears. Well, Ken ran into him a few times and it wasn't the same. They just didn't hang out like they used to. Well, Dick's nephew says, for about 10 years during most of my high school and college years, I didn't hear from him at all. And I think I saw him like maybe once a year. So I guess not at all means once a year. Yeah, once a year is pretty good still. Well, for five minutes, he would just like pop into the party and he'd be like laughing and still doing his impressions. And then he would just disappear. Hmm. The daughter of the mortician says he was struggling with a lot of personal things because he was staying a lot with his mother who lived in Minersville. Oh, boy. Now, hopefully, that's minor, M-I-N-E-R-S. Correct. Yeah, cool. It's not not Epstein's Island. All right, cool, cool. So people are saying, you know, know, normal people, they take their kids to Disneyland uh, and they put these harnesses on them, you know, with a leash. I mean, well, I like getting jerked out by a minor M-I-N-E-R anyway. Okay, be careful here. M-I-N-E-R. Uh-huh. Because your dick looks black afterwards. Okay. Like a charcoal. Okay. <laughs> so dumb. It's the worst. It's so but bad. you know what? You're you, uh, and that's our show. Uh, anyway, what she's saying is, you know, those. she uses this analogy of, you know, when you go to Disneyland and you've got that stray kid that's too hyperactive. And you just, yeah, you kill him. Yep. No, you put it on a leash. Yes, the leash, well, and then you hang him. Apparently, oh. Dick's mother did this to him when he was a child right. in the backyard on the clothesline. Hung him. <laughs> no, 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 I get it. Yes, he, just, he, he chained him up yeah. like the dog. Yep. Did the dog get to run free? Here's the thing. Dog got to run free. Dick huh? escaped. Oh, my dog used to escape, too. It's not that crazy. So 
we we go to one of the sisters' bedrooms and she pulls out all of Dick's Farrah Fawcett posters. It's a lot. She has a lot. She has nice hair. Farrah Fawcett hair. She but there's Olivia Newton Johns. Right. And you know, according to 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 the sister, he always had that Farrah poster over his bed. Right. And um, the only time she saw him dressed like Olivia was the day that he did the talent show. So according to her, he had a hard time distinguishing reality with fiction, and he lived in two separate worlds. So uh, she says, I think he liked it out there because he could be creative and do the things he wanted to do. When he was in the real world, he had to worry about what other people thought about him. So she says, there's so many people who have aspired and have that dream. That's how glamorous and how wonderful it is on television. And then they get out in reality, and it's just not like that. Boy, if this lady only knew what, she, <laughs> what real Hollywood was like. I know. That's why it's so fascinating. They're all so sheltered, these women, sitting at their kitchen table. Oh, boy. They have no idea what it's really like. You got 50 thousand dollars to make his movie mm -hmm. and he only spent 48 of it so that means that he got to keep two or whatever just like you know like they're amazed by nothing they didn't know much they don't get out much it's much. beaver bro it's beaver it's the beeves um ken says i don't think he would have been happy in a place like la i think la would have sucked the life right out of him he says you know i always say that you can go to la and you uh, sell a little bit of your soul when you do. Oh, right. No fucking shit. I guess. Uh, I don't know. I, I've lived and loved the burbs my whole life. Well, I guess my point is, when I look at my life, I see what I've gone for my career yeah. and what the opportunity cost is. It means no stable uh, relationship, yeah. no Just children. Just for laughs, you know? <laughs> no kids, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I own a home. Yeah. But, you know, I, I... The stock market gave you that. No, work, working hard and, the work, you know, creating hard, a business. Yeah. But the point is, right. there are so many people I know that still hold on to the dream yeah. that are never going to make it. Nope. And have no outside <clears throat> influencers giving them the reality check to say, like, bro, you're 69? Yeah. It ain't going to happen. And his name but is who, Dave Sarah. But who are we to say to those people, buddy, give up? We're comedians that are, it's our job to make fun of those people. It is. And not to look inward at ourselves. So next we see Trent in the middle of nowhere. By the way, yeah, I'm an open micer. I'm not a comedian. Thank you for distinguishing that. No problem. Next we see Trent in the middle of nowhere. It's a salt flat. Yeah, in the middle of Trent. like Just like Trent, like... <laughs> The Trent city of Trent. It's the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> He's walking around these salt flats, filming himself. And he says, I lived in Hollywood. Uh, and I knew Sean Penn uh, and Madonna. Uh, and now I'm out here. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the middle of nowhere. Hater says. Wait, is he saying it like. Is he saying like he's having a nervous breakdown? Okay, bro. so he's not like he's not like oh I'm out here make I'm okay gotcha gotcha he's having a he's nervous out, breakdown he's, and he's documenting this got shit got it got it got it got it so Bill Hader says with his Hollywood dreams over Trent would also get back to reality well back to Trent in the desert he says I think that when someone such as myself is actually trying to film reality 
the salt flats is a perfect place to do that because reality out here is at its starkest. It's naked. Naked reality. I like Sarkis, too. So what happened is he got the first digital that came out, and day one, he starts making home movies. Yeah. And they're just of him walking around and talking on the salt flats. Mm. The best work he ever did, according to him. Interesting. They're not very good. No. I can't (laughs) imagine it being much better than what I saw. They're pretty bad. Well, Ken Sanders says one of the films of his I was most concerned about that it would just be horrible was a series of self-documentaries. Now, luckily, we get to see this piece of shit. Mm -hmm. He's sitting outside of a campfire, and he's drinking beer, and he sings, My heart knows what the wild goose knows, and I must go where the wild goose goes. Wild goose, crazy goose, which is best? A rambling fool or a heart at rest? And then he just burps. Whoa. He's just slamming beers by the fire, filming himself. Yeah, that's great life. But he's like, it's amazing yeah. because it's like I, living out. It's like trying to travel around the world on a sailboat. But he's like, I don't have to beg for money anymore. No, I can just make my own movie. The problem is, it's not a movie. It's well, just, <laughs> that's what you would say. Uh, at this point, in one of his movies, he's saying he's got forty bucks in the bank, and he says, "I enjoy making movies, but nobody's going to pay me to do it." Well. Yeah. Paul Webster, he was the producer of Ru- anybody else Ruben right and Ed yeah. after watching these. He says, some might call it commercial suicide. I think Trent just said, it's just what I love doing, and it's just the thing I'm doing now. You know, he had this blue Volvo, which is literally falling apart, and we go on rides, and I looked down one day in the glove compartment, and I saw the Pacific Oysters jar, and it was half full of dust, so I pulled it out, and I said, what's this, Trent? And he goes, oh, that's Larry. Aw. And, of course, that was his best his friend, buddy. Larry. has ashes of him, huh? But here's what I connected. Yeah. This is me doing a little work. Ah. The character in the Beaver trilogy, okay. not the first one with Groove and Gary. Right. The other two, he named the lead character Larry. <clears throat> oh. Why? Because For it was rights? named after his best friend. Oh, no, not Lair Bear. Yeah, Larry in the oyster jar. Dead Nash. Wow. So in the whole this whole time, maybe that guy Gary just reminded him of his brother brother his buddy Larry. Something. Something wow. and I noticed. They don't put this out and you know, tell us any of this because you know, I only got this information because I it's watched an homage. the rest of the Beaver trilogy. Yeah. So anyway, he takes fucking Larry's ashes and spreads them in the in the Grand Canyon. But oh. he can't bring him scalp self to scatter all of them so right. he keeps larry in the oh. pacific oysters jar um just that, so he that can... almost feels worse yeah i don't know about that now... dude because i scattered my brother's ashes yeah and i got a big chunk of them in my office oh, okay still. that's a, I, I, I couldn't let all of them go. that's that's a good point that's a good point so next we see more of his quote movie unquote mm-hmm. and he pick, holds up a picture of a woman and he goes oh this is stephanie my girlfriend isn't she pretty is there a big just stand in the middle of it? So, so we find out from Stephanie. She goes, I don't know if anybody's brought this up yet, uh, but Trent and I dated for three or four years. Now, keep in mind, she's at least 20 years younger than Trent. Maybe oh 30. So oh boy. back to his documentary film. <laughs> yeah. This is him recording himself in the desert just wandering. I just found out that my girlfriend Stephanie left me. Mm. Well, she says... 
I had to leave. He was focused on his work. And you kind of become a monk to whatever you're doing. And I was young and stupid and didn't understand that. And the distance was hard. On me. That's great, yeah. So back to his movie. He says, as you could see, things have changed a bit. Now I'm in the middle of the Sahara Desert, and these people think I'm crazy. He's really in the Sahara Desert? Yeah. And the people he's referring to Think are he's camels. Crazy. No, he's oh. just talking to camels. Camels? Yes. Oh, I love camels. So, so basically what he does here yeah. is he's on this quest to film a self-documentary. Damn it, I thought you were going to say he's on a camel. Okay, no, no, no. So his journeys take him from Timbuktu. <laughs> okay. I, by the way, I always thought that was just like not a real place. No. Until I was like 12. Well, until, but how do you spell it, though? It's spelled wacky. T-I-M-B-U-K-T-U. Oh, it's not spelled wacky at all. No. So he goes from Timbuktu to Turkmenistan. Timbuktu. To Pasola. Cool. Where's Pasola? Uh, I thought it was a type of Mexican uh, pasta, but... Um, That's what I thought, too. <laughs> so then Pasola, he goes... I have no idea where Pasola Then he goes is. to Brazil. Brazil. And then they just put in Burning Man. Like, yeah. that's a place. <laughs> Even though it's not a place. It's like, that's like <laughs> that one Howard Dean speech. We're going to Kansas. We're going to Kentucky. We're going to D.C. We're going to Cancun for spring break. And then, well, he doesn't actually say that, but the Chappelle bit about that is him. Then he goes to Sierra Leone. We're going to go take a shower. All right. These are all places being popped up on the screen. Right, right, right. right. So Burning they're all Man these is, places. Burning Man is as important as all of Timbuktu. Then you just <laughs> see a shot of like these, uh, what looks like Aborigines. Yeah, it just Aborig- cannibals. No, no. <laughs> so, Aborigines. And then ultimately Cambodia. Yeah. So, Cambodia. So along his travels, these self-documentaries, they would branch off into a feature documentary called The Cement Ball. Okay. Yeah. Which would expose Cambodia's deadly landmine crisis. Right. So you see him out in the field and these landmines are blowing up. The little bird. What's the little bird? No, no. It's like a, you know, the song, like the morning song, anytime, like there's a morning in cartoon. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you play that and then a little bird blows up from a landmine. Gotcha. So he basically has a political awakening in Cambodia because uh, he gets wrapped up with lamb. It's kind of like what uh, Lady Diana did. Rem- Lady died. Lady died. She died. Yeah, but she was also like... Philanthrop- she was a mind philanthropist. <laughs> <laughs> She'd go around to all the fucking landmine places. Yeah. Cluster go, I'm against cluster bombs. Uh. So what Paul Webster, a critic, says is what happened From Webster's is, Dictionary, yes. is that he began to put the picture together because this one-man technology that he created helped define him as the person he should have been. It sounds like something Colin Quinn's doing in one-man technology Well, we every year. S- we, over that last line, we see a kid with no legs, <laughs> and he's on crutches playing soccer. <laughs> So it's but Joanne got no legs, Lieutenant Dad. So it's kind I of, know for her. Okay. So it's kind of a, a poignant moment the way it was put together. Yeah. So Bill Hader says Trent has since posted sections of these self documentaries on YouTube. The videos have been a hit with those who have seen them, but there are not many who have. Well, they show show a screen cap of one of his videos. Dude, you kind of look like Bill Hader. He's only got 324 views. 
Oh, no. So he's having a tough time yeah. getting people. It's like, But, you know, Trent's whole thing is, you know, anybody with a 14-year-old is huh? probably... <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Any 14-year-old is probably on their third movie at this point. <laughs> oh, I see, yeah. Because they can get distribution on, on YouTube and yeah. things change so fast. Yeah. Well... I wonder what that same video has now. Um, I, I checked. Yeah. 326. No, no. <laughs> it wasn't many more. <laughs> no. Well, maybe we'll get the down on the docks bump. Yeah, he deserves it. So uh, apparently Groovin' Gary's on there. I didn't look, but his sister's like, you can just go to YouTube.com, type in Groovin' Gary. Yeah. Well, back to Ken, Dick's friend. He says, I really did think that Dick wanted to be an impressionist. I really think that was his main goal. Uh, but just as a human being, Dick wanted to make people happy. Well, we see some of this vintage archival footage of Dick, a.k.a. I like that wording, impressionist. As opposed to impersonator? Drag queen. Okay. <laughs> he I mean, says, well, my common motto, and I'm just going to be sincere with you here uh, to really tell you the truth, is just to make uh, someone really smile. Yeah. You know, if I can make a, a guy's day easier or a gal's day easier, you know, just by making them smile, that's really what my policy's all about. Sure. My policy. He's my pal. Um, Ken says he'd love to take people for a ride in his cool car because it made them happy. He just liked to make people happy. Um, and then he says, his sister says, I wonder if going through Hollywood, if you get to feel the love and the compassion that you get to feel by just growing up a normal kid and a normal man and a normal brother. You know, he wanted Trent to probably come back to Beaver and interview him as a normal human, human being. Right. And Trent wouldn't do it. Aw. Uh, according to the sisters, he wanted to set the record straight. But Trent wasn't interested in having him set the record straight. Yeah, Trent so, sounds like he's in, he's in the FBI. Well, so the sisters yeah. are saying to the filmmaker, Brad, we're hoping you will do that now. Aww. Now, I didn't get the impression that Garrett and Gary ever went to Hollywood. Well, mm. bad news. The dead. next shot, it's his headstone. Aww, and Gary's dead? Groove and Gary died. In what year? Uh, 2009. So he missed the stock market crash. He, he was born in 58, dies in 2009. And we get a shot of this snow, snow covered cemetery. And there's a picture of his car on the tombstone. No, really? <laughs> like, no, no, like placed against it. No, it's engraved. No. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not down to the details where Doesn't you can have see Farrah okay. or Olivia. Okay. But it's, it, it, I don't know if I mentioned this, but yeah. it ended up being a 64 Impala. Yeah. Which is, you know, a classic. You know, he was lying car. about what car it was. No, I couldn't. I couldn't figure out what oh, it was I, when oh, I was I looking see. at it. So, um, you know, they say the girls—they're like we were just too protective of him, and maybe we squashed his dreams. Maybe we clipped his wings. Yeah, it's not all they clipped. Uh, <laughs> well, Trent says. I mean, I often said that I think you can make a documentary film about anybody. That's goddamn true. That if you spend enough time with anybody, a drama will develop. And if you're a good enough filmmaker, you can catch these things as they actually happen. 
Yeah. God, I went to the movies last night. The first thing, I hadn't been in a long time, and I'm watching the trailers, and it's depressing, you know? Right. Comic book heroes. Yep. Special effects. Dot and dot. God, it was boring. <laughs> Loud and obnoxious and stupid. Who wants to make movies about cheerleaders? <laughs> right. I don't get it. I mean, how many 1950s TV shows do we have to remake? There are two guys that are cops and they hate each other, but in the end they become buddies because they've <laughs> gone through this. Yeah. Like, God, give me a prank already. Yeah. I never want to see that movie again. They were friends and then they were not friends and then they were friends. As long as again. he's not talking about Lethal Weapon, I'm cool. But I'm assuming <laughs> well, he meant 21 Jump Street or some, uh, of, some of that kind Jump. of crap. Or was the cheerleading movie? Bring it on. Bring it on. Yeah. I mean, he's right. It's Burr. fucking crap. It's cold in here. So, um, some Toros. Bill Hader says, you'd be safe to say that this once aspiring Hollywood filmmaker isn't afraid of going in a different direction and trying something a little unconventional. Well, back to Trent. He's like, I got, for instance, I got into this thing, you know, randomness. Uh-huh. So one day I just went out and randomly took pictures of leaves. They're quite uh, beautiful. Some beautiful mind shit. <laughs> He goes. No, wait, 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 no it was Amer no American Beauty. Yeah, yeah American, American Beauty. Beauty, the paper bag. Yeah, floating in the breeze. Fagut. He goes. I just held the camera like that and snapped the picture. I didn't even crop the picture. Wow. You know, out of randomness. This is all chance. So I went out and did this whole series. It was like twelve of them. I did it in an hour. Just went to the park yeah. with my camera. Because it's garbage. <laughs> Cause it's shit. It takes me. It only takes me an hour to actually shit. He was like, I didn't even know what I was going to take pictures of. Yeah, you didn't. Well, FBI. We find out he's not just a filmmaker. He's an FBI agent. We we see a sampling of his less publicized work, which mm. includes photography, paintings, writings, drawings. He's not any of those things either. Believe me. <laughs> so. And Bill Hader says, and we can't forget about this. Well, yeah. this is his notebook that is the listen to your visitors notebook. Ah. And wait, what's that? Remember when he was oh, talking yeah, about yeah, the yeah, crack yeah, demon? Yeah, 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 He's yeah, like, you got to listen demon. to your Fuck visitors because yeah. they're going to give you your inspiration. Right, right. My muse. Yeah. So the crack demon is he, my muse. He says, as I write scripts, what, what you're doing is taking random bits of information and rearranging them and constructing a reality. The reality, a bit of reality. So I started thinking, why not go and construct the random bits of reality? All right. If you're, if you're wondering why I'm saying yes, reality, yes. it's because on the screen, reality. they're really typing out reality because he's focused on reality. reality. So he shows off this picture of like, you, ever, you know, Indiana Jones, where uh, the first one where Harrison Ford goes into the temple. Yes. So it's got, it's a picture like that, and he's just blown away. It's like, this is the most beautiful location I've ever seen. You can't paint that. Sick. It's beautiful. Where is it? Timbuktu? I don't know. Turkmenistan? And he goes, go in there and pretend you're a photographer. I don't know wh what we're going to do with that at this point, but I know how to build a sequence out of it, so I built a sequence out of it. Now, he's ashing into a cigarette bowl. Uh, uh, <laughs> a cereal bowl while he's cereal selling all bowl. this. Cracking oh, me up. Great. <laughs> well, so, it's the 70s. They just did that shit. No, this is could now. Oh, wow. this is now. Well, he was born and he raised in the 70s. They did that shit. Yeah. So anyway, Trent travels the world shooting his feature film documentary about reality called Luna Mesa. And he's only got a couple scenes left to shoot, right? 
So many times people make documentaries that things that have happened in the past. Yeah. So there's somebody sitting down saying, yeah, when I was 16, I did this, I did that. Or you got the Ken Burns thing, looking at old photography and banjo music in the background, and you're trying to get reality. You know? Well, Trent would go on to say the story isn't in the Beaver trilogy or in the past. What's really important is right in front of you. So they catch up with Trent in Cambodia, and we see him just wandering the fucking Cambodian jungle. Oh, boy, looking for landmines. And then he's in the, a city, and Hader says, well, it turns out reality's not very interesting. Mm-hmm. And he's walking around, and he's like, man, we got to figure out a way to film me doing something besides drinking a beer or smoking. Yeah. I don't know what to do here. <laughs> yeah, it sounds a lot like me. <laughs> <laughs> so Bill Hader brings up a good point. He says, now, I'm sure you guys are wondering, watching this, how can somebody without a job just go around the planet and film their never-ending documentary yeah well the answer is journalism right so he made some money on well here's what happened he did a story about the cambodian children's found uh children's fund and um trent says you hear the story the acid attack where they throw acid at people's faces Mm mm-hmm well, check out this family. Yeah. <laughs> it shows a family oh, no. of these disfigured Cambodians wow. that are all just covered from acid attacks. Oh. I can't believe I'm laughing at that. But then uh, he goes out to garbage dumps and does stories on toxic waste. Wow. It's creepy. You see the toxic waste in the landfills just bubbling up. And um, he finds a girl out there. And one of the reporters we're working with is like, I think you should sponsor her. Does she have acid face? They No, she didn't have acid face. <laughs> now, I'm going to do a non sequitur here because this reminds me of one of... This reminds me of the time I'm 99% sure I got mur- almost got murdered and saved right. myself. Right. So I was probably 20 when I graduated college and I needed to find an apartment. Okay. And back in those days... In New York, you would have to pay people to find you an apartment. Mm. It's like it's basically like a rental, rental a realtor. Yeah, a commission in New York. You pay the rental commission to find your right, apartment. Right, right, right. But when you're cheap, you would go to like the back pages and just Look for rooms for rent and shit. Exactly. So yep. I found one one day, and I go in, and before I read it, it says uh, two be- two bedroom apartment. Um, I'm a young professional worker with a daughter, but she doesn't stay with me. And I'm like, oh, okay, this will be worth checking out. And he's like averaging or advertising for like 700 bucks, you know, a month. Prime location in like 66 and 9th Avenue. And I go in, fourth floor walk up. Now, he's walking behind me, which is all weird. And he's Is just he like filming you, filming your ass. He, but no, he's just like, just keep going, just keep Aye. going. And I'm like, why am I not following him? Yeah, this doesn't feel right. So we get to the top floor, and he opens it up, and it's all dark wood, like cedar wood. Okay, everything's dark. Cool. And it's a shithole. Oh, and it's tiny. And he said it was a two bedroom, and I'm like, I don't see the bedrooms. And he goes, Oh well, the living room's the bedroom. That's where I sleep. Right. Let me show you where you your room would be. Yes, and it's a big hole in the floor. No. He opens up a door, but it's one of those really narrow doors that you would have to like move your body sideways to get through. Oh, boy. And there's 
it's all wood in there, like yeah. red wood. Okay. And there's just a single light bulb <clears throat> hanging from the middle. The, the middle. Great. Right. And he pulls it on. And here's the basket you ask for stuff from. <laughs> and this is where I feed you. It's maybe four feet by six feet. Sick. No shelves, no nothing. That was 700. Now, he turns off the light while we're in there. Whoa. And I'm like, uh, I can't see. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he turns back the light on. And I'm like, okay. He's got a knife behind his back. I'm thinking I'm going to get murdered. Yeah. And I'm like, can we go into your room real quick? And he's like, yeah, let me show you the uh, my room. Uh-huh. And it's probably eight feet by 10 feet. Yeah, tiny. Tiny. And there's a, an old fireplace that's been closed off. And above it, he has a picture of his daughter. Right. Several pictures of his daughter. Whoa. And he goes, I want you to come meet my daughter. No. And I go, meet her? And he goes, she's right here. No. And I go, where? Because I'm not making the connection. Dead. And he's like, oh, she's right there on top of the mantle. Dead. And her name's like uh, Hong well, Wei. Well, he lied. She does, she does stay with him. Hong Wei or something? Yeah. And I go, oh, this is the daughter that doesn't live with you. Yeah. And he goes, uh, yeah, she, um, she lives she, in... She um, lives with God now. No, no, no. She lives in Vietnam. And I go, oh, okay. So the mother lives there, and he goes, oh no, 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 no. I just pay a uh, dollar ninety nine a month, no. and um, uh, she's my child. Yeah, and then he's like, let let me read you what she just wrote me uh-huh. from last week, and it's like a letter, and it says, thank you for the rice, and oh, you know, my God. <laughs> At this point, I'm like, I Sad got to get the man. fuck. Not an old man. What is he? He was like in his 30s. He was just crazy. Wow. Yeah, okay, crazy person. And I'm like, I got to go. He didn't own that hotel. He didn't own that room. That wasn't his room. I don't think so either. I think he just had. He was in that room with another crazy person. I think so too, but that's the closest I've ever dodged, I think, murder. Anyway, I got out of there. So anyway, Trent does the same thing. He sponsors a child. Only for the price of a cup of coffee. Exactly. And he says it's been really fun and she's really neat. Um, So, you know, at this point, we meet his lead actress in Luna Mesa. Okay. Her name's uh, Liberty. Mm. Now she's smoking hot. Yeah. And you got to remember this whole movie that Trent's shooting is about reality. Okay. So we see a, a scene from the reality movie. And in it, she's wearing like a spaceship costume with orange hair, climbing like this metallic structure, which is clearly not even close to being reality. Right. So you're like, Bill's like, so why is no, no, Trent no, no, no. seeming reality, obsessed man. with reality? And Trent says, so I'll figure why stay on this planet? You yeah. know, after a while, you know. Go to a different planet. Yeah, I've gone all over Rwanda, Cambodia. It's like, I don't have to stop there. Let's go to another Mars. planet. Let's go to, a- go to fucking... <laughs> what? Hey, what's the Nashville of Mars? Let's go there. Do they have a, ho- <laughs> they have a Hilton there? What's the Nashville of Mars? <laughs> I want to hear some good Martian music and get some good Martian barbecue. So, Lucky, his former uh, co-worker from... Um, KUTV, he says, people just don't understand Trent. I think a lot of people think he's weird. I think he's weird, but Trent is an artist. 
Well, Bill says Trent's abstract process actually has a specific name in the art world. Surrealism. Oh. Loosely defined as dream and reality fused to capture the reality of the subconscious. And Trent's Whoa. like, yeah. The, the reality. What was it again? What? Surrealism? Re re yeah, re yeah, read it again. I just kind of said that off the top of my head. It wow, really, really? really? Yeah. It's like where reality and something else meet. What? Sur anyway, doesn't matter. Go just, on. Just take the dream world. Yeah, dream world. And, and reality, reality that's what mix I it together. Can the you name world. one surrealist artist? Yeah, Salvador Dali. Perfect. So the melting clock. Dali. The melting clock. Perfect example yeah, of surrealism. Yes. Okay, so that's what they're comparing it to. Yes. And the person who did the stairs and <laughs> shit. MC Asher. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Was uh, that a woman? I don't know. That's a good question. I never usually even realized the fucking, that. Usually the women use, are the ones who I think it's a dude bullshit. just because his work is very masculine. I would assume MC Escher's a man. Got it. His work is very masculine. Yeah. So anyway. Does he also draw a lot of cocks everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Luna Mesa. It's time for the premiere. And it's going to premiere in London. So... Trent gets out to London, and he says at the premiere in London, I felt really bad afterwards, you know, because I think three or four people showed up total. Oh, boy. So he's down. He's going down. He only got seven for the uh, Ruben and Ed. Imagine being a company. Anyway, go on. Anyway, he's like, it's like throwing a birthday party and nobody comes. Yeah. You know, it's heartbreaking. You go through all that work and all that effort. And fucking... Make sure you have cake there, dummy. Yeah, and three people show up. Yeah. So um, he's not in the best of modes. And, you know, he has to do an interview. And he's like, "What? why in the hell do you do it? You know, I don't... You can ask yourself the same question you're asking me. I, you know, why have you come to all this trouble just to film me? It doesn't make sense. You're not going to make a dime. You guys kidding me? You aren't even going to make a dime off this film. Are you insane? This is probably even a worse idea than I've come up with. In <laughs> making terms of making this documentary of this shit? <laughs> Are you fucking stupid? I wonder if he did. He probably did make more money. Well, Trent heads back out to the desert. And um, he's basically like, "There's just, I'm just blabbering out here, man. You know, unless I die or win the lottery or get elected president, you don't have a story about me. Dude, unless <laughs> I die or hit the lottery or become president. What has started as the story of the Beaver Trilogy has by chance led us out here in the middle of the desert without a story. Yeah. Trent's like, should we just go home? You know, do you guys want to just bail? Basically. <laughs> well, Bill says, and the filmmaker without a story is this guy, unknown director Brad Besser, who, like many unseasoned filmmakers, has just desperately inserted himself into his own film. Well, it turns out Brad was born like 20 miles outside of Salt Lake. Okay. And he had seen Reuben and Ed and was blown away. So to refresh your memory, mm -hmm. Dave, you yeah. know what Reuben and Ed is, right? That was the first movie that Trent made. The first movie after the Bill, uh, Beaver trilogy. There you go. So this is with Howard Hasman from WKRP right. and Crispin Glover. So um, we get another snippet of it, and this is when Crispin Glover's out um, 
on the lake in the desert, which we went over before. Right. And he's in this inner tube with these long high heels on. And then the water skiing cat comes by. Mm. And uh, Crispin just yells out, my cat can eat a whole watermelon. Yeah. So it's got this underground cult feel vibe to it. Um, and it turns out it becomes a cult classic oh. because of being re-released on VHS. Right. Now, I didn't know this. I oh. consider myself, uh, you know, hip on the cult classics. I bet. So... Uh, I'll be watching it next week. Cool. And next week's entire episode will be us, after you watch it as well, just discussing Ruben and Ed. No. No, it's not. It, that's not. I'm just no, seeing if you're paying okay. attention. It's fine. I'm paying attention. Do you know who Jared Hess is? We mentioned him. No, we didn't. I feel like somebody's mentioned him. Jared. Uh, no, Hess. he's the guy who directed uh, yes. Napoleon Dynamite. Ah, yes. That's where I know him from, yes. Okay, so one summer... He's visiting his cousins in Sandy, Utah, which is just the suburbs of uh, And his Uncle Rico, sure. And his Uncle Rico. And somebody says, you got to see this film. It's so funny. And he's like 13 or 14 at the time. Well, he actually took the pronunciation from one of the characters, how they say Puma, and they pronounce it Puma. Puma. And then he has Rex and Napoleon Dynamite say the reflexes of a puma. <laughs> so he's so directly inspired by this movie that he rips it a little bit. Yeah, that's fine. Well, yeah, of course it's fine. It's an homage. But he, he finds that, um, uh, what's his name? Trent is offering screenwriting classes in Utah. Oh, boy. Yeah, very good point. It's not, it's not a time to go uh, diminish your already nice writing skills. Well, the good thing is this. He couldn't afford them, so he couldn't go. Oh, shucks. All right. Uh, he ended up doing fine for himself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. The director of this film, Brad Besser, he did take uh, Trent's screenwriting classes. So, you know, at the time... You know, for a goof. <laughs> so That's when Dice fucks fat I, chicks. I gotcha. So Trent becomes kind of a local celebrity at the time. And Brad goes up to him and says, how do I become a director? And Trent says, becoming a director is simple. All you need to do is go get a camera and make a movie. Obviously. Wow. <laughs> see how that worked out for Trent. So at, can't wait to take those classes. At this point, while the Utah Film and Video Center are uh, letting him teach classes there, they also start screening Trent's work. Okay, so he's going through all of his films that he's ever directed and, you know, all these forgotten short pieces that he's done for extra. And then he accesses Trent's forgotten and never seen are two different things. <laughs> you know what I mean? At this point, not a lot of people remember these bad boys. Anyway, at this point, um, Trent has to go to the secret tapes. Oh, fuck. So, the, okay, the, what's the Beeb trilogy? Oh, these people haven't seen the no, Beebs yet? No. Oh, now, here's why. Trent didn't think he could put out the Beaver trilogy. He wow. says, I don't have the right to show it, the Groove and Gary stuff. You know, he tried to kill himself, and I promised him I would never show that stuff. Well, then Trent goes, but I needed the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But he needed the money. So he goes to the channel too. He uses their newsroom and he splices all three films together. Wow. But he's like, I can't advertise this. You Why? know, because he told Groove and Gary. So I'm never going to show this because I know it traumatized you 
and it led you to attempt suicide and bleed oh. on your dad's kitchen table. Uh, oh, him and Groove and Gary had a contract, you say? <laughs> oh, no. No. Oh, no. Trent is a good guy, is yes. my point. Yes. So anyway, he says, we'll do it, but we won't advertise. So it's going to, at the time, they're going to call it the secret tapes of Trent Harris. Well, they get 70 or 60 people to show up, and everybody goes bonkers over it. Wow. Uh, people, according uh, to eyewitness sources. Why are they laughing? They keep <laughs> laughing. They're transfixed. They didn't know what to say, and they were dumbfounded. That's a lot of how I felt when I tried watching it. Well, we haven't gotten there yet. I know. And then Paul Webster, the producer of Ruben Ed, says... We're never going to get there, by the way. It's an amazing piece of work. It is an amazing film. Um, Steph Russell, his, her, uh, that's Transformer Girlfriend. Right. She says, the footage with the beaver kid, it's just unbelievable. Uh-huh. Uh, another person says, and this is from the Utah Film Commission, it's a fascinating study of how a person becomes obsessed with one story and then tells it in three different versions. <laughs> but now they blend together in a funny way. Yeah. So Trent says, I hooked them together and I was like, God, that's that's a completely different animal when there's three of them put together. Yeah. It's like three different animals. So with those three things, the kaleidoscope, it kind of moves one to the other. It's like a synergy. And the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. That's this is Alex Caldiero speaking. <laughs> uh, and it gets into the level of an archetype, a misfit, a stranger in a strange land in his own country. Guys, no, it wasn't. Here's the thing. We, have, we can't comment on that because we, I don't want to blow f- for our listeners. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's nothing trans- it's transformative about it. Well, Trent says... Okay, I, I, I don't want to keep negging this. Let's continue. Trent says all of his films are about heroic misfits, and maybe he's just a misfit himself. Hmm. So basically what you got to know is this. Trent is still obsessed with the idea of serendipity and that the whole thing never would have happened unless Groove and Gary had been at the right place at the right time. Okay? You got to remember, this is affected his entire life this one chance meeting in the KUTV parking lot yeah because some wingnut from beaver came up and said man i want to go look at a helicopter i think that's cool yeah. by the way do you know i do impressions mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah it's how it all started critics are coming out they're like man sean penn was iconic crispin glover was iconic and now the beaver kid you know becomes more than the beaver kid for the first time he transcends the character so the beaver kid now becomes an icon there are layers that are built upon the chance encounter added up into this one-of-a-kind piece of art. It even defies labels. Is it a documentary? Is it fiction? Is it whatever you can even put a label on it? It's its own thing. Mm. It's the Beaver Trilogy. Yeah. Well, Sundance calls up Trent, and he was like, they were like, hey, can we screen your film? Well, what happens is 1,400 people come to see this movie. Okay, so in L.A., right? No, this is in Salt Lake. Well, Sundance, so it's probably... All right, Sundance. You know, just right up the road in Park City. Yeah. So he reaches out to Groove and Gary. This is when Groove and Gary's still alive. Oh, wow. And he says, Gigi, I got your tickets at the door, front row tickets. Gary didn't show up. Okay? Now, this place is sold out. Oh, man. 1,400 people. Trent goes up and does the Q&A. And people are in love with this film. 
And then out of the corner of his eye, he hears somebody say, well, you probably don't remember me. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and all these people go and mob Groove and Garrett. Oh, my God. He showed up. <laughs> They're getting his autograph. Uh, and, you know, there's famous people in the room, but they don't care. They all just want to be around Groove and Gary, you yeah, know? Well, he is famous, too. And his sisters are like, it was one of the greatest days of his life. Uh, he was high as a kite. And, you know, they felt, the sisters felt like, after that experience, that they got their brother back. Okay? It was a very big deal for him. So... Trent says, looking back in retrospect, I think that, again, I caught him in a very pivotal moment in his life, and maybe I, was as, as, I, I wasn't as sensitive as I should have been or could have been, and that's partly my guilt because maybe I didn't understand him so well the first time, but there's things beneath the surface of this character that make him rich and wonderful, and ultimately, I wanted people to like him like I liked him. And that's why I began to remake this movie over and over and over again, which is interesting because that's what Gary said. He yeah. just wants people to like him. He just wants, you know, people to smile, you know? So that's why I think this is, is a fascinating story to that, that they both were trying to do the same thing. Yeah. And they needed each other to get there and do it. Right. So I think that's pretty cool. So, um, of course... You know, Groove and Gary passes away. His sister still drives Farrah around town, though. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. And, you know, she says he could have gone Farrah to Hollywood. But we're thankful that we ha had him and yeah. he didn't go. Of course. And Trent says, by far, I think the most successful oh, piece. Oh, yeah, in the court order. <laughs> <laughs> court order didn't allow him to leave the state. Trent says, I think the most successful piece of the three pieces is the first one because that's where everybody loved it. And, um, no, is that the, is that the vest or the jacket? No, that's just the day he tested out the video camera. Oh, I thought the three piece. Okay, go on. Oh, sorry. Buddy, when I'm in the zone, your fucking zingers go over my head. They're not zingers. So, anyway, They're zippers. That's Trent. Right. Gets a call from Groove and Gary, and Gary says, hey, I think we need to do part four. Okay. <laughs> now you got me awake. Let's go. What are so, we talking about part four? What do you so mean? So Trent shows us part four, which isn't really to see anything. It's an audio CD that Trent received from Gary. I like how he just like puts like random shit, just like in, like, okay, go on, go on, go on, go on. Like, I like how he just takes... All right, now, so this is an audio recording. So now this is Beaverton Part 4, whatever the fuck. Beaver Trilogy Part Beaver, 4. Yeah, Beaver but Trilogy Part technically, Part 4 is the movie we're watching. Right. This Part 4 isn't really the A Part real, 4. Right, I get it. So all of a sudden, we hear this tape that Gary or, uh, that Trent puts in, and you hear Groove and Gary. He's drowning. <laughs> he goes like this. The dream is always the same. Oh, boy. I wake up early in the morning. It's like some Tupac shit. Get dressed. Decide I'll go for a cruise. Oh, boy. So I go outside, get an old Farrah, <laughs> get her fired up, take off. Now picture this. I'm cruising down Highway 21, just starting to build up some speed. And when I see this girl, 
this incredible girl. I don't know what she's doing. She's on the side of the highway. So I pull old Pharaoh over for a stop, set the parking brake, open the door, check the engine, (laughs) check the tire pressure. I walk back to her and say, hey, miss, you need a lift? She says, no. She says, I'd rather walk. And then I think, wait a minute. You look kind of familiar. Mm -hmm. Am I taking off your glasses? Mm -hmm. Well, she did. And just about damn near died. Guess who? Call me if you lie or if you will. But it's Olivia Mm Newton-John. What are you doing out here? She Mm -hmm. says, I don't know. She says, I'm hell-bent on helping somebody. I haven't found him yet, (laughs) but I'm looking. Who might that be? She says, his name is Richard Griffiths. Uh He did a movie a while back. Dick Griffiths. Well, Trent interjects here and says he did a movie a while back, yeah, but it's very haunting when I listen to this. It's so beautiful. It's just beautiful. It's kind of perfect. That secret world. He had a secret world that he lived in, and right there, he gives you just a taste of it. It's phenomenal. Wait a minute. You got to hear this one, too. <laughs> now, you really don't. It's a metaphor, right? <laughs> you really don't have to hear the next one. All it is is it's Dick singing along to Olivia Newton's John song, I Want, you to, uh, I want to Love You Once Again. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how the movie just fades out. Aww. And then, obviously, the filmmakers thank Dick Griffiths and uh, his family for sharing the story. And then they thank Trent Harris. And then um, we find out that in its original screening, Beaver Beaver Trilogy has become an underground cult classic. The film continues to screen all over the world. Sean Penn. And then we find out before Dick's death, Trent Harris told him about the Cambodian Children's Fund and his sponsored child. Right. And Dick Griffith said, I wish I could do something like that. So since Dick Griffith's death, Trent has been donating profits from Beaver Trilogy screenings <laughs> to the Cambodian <laughs> Children's Fund. That's nice. And the donations are made in Dick Griffith's name. Yes. And, and only go to human trafficking one girl a year. <laughs> so then uh, we see Trent, and uh, he's outside uh, smoking a, a cigarette, and he says... Waiting for the film to end. Oh, now I got to go back in there and answer the same questions I've answered 400 times. So that's how I have how a feeling they're going to be different questions. So what are we? What kind of dockings are we giving a docking uh, rating? A solid three. Three dock. Nice. Yes. Triple, triple stack dock. Like yeah. it. It's, it. Well, it's the Beaver Trilogy. What else would you expect? Well, well you it's the Beaver Trilogy 4. Um, it's three. And it's tough because this medium that we're in isn't going to translate as well so if you're a film fan it's definitely for you um well okay which we know you're not you're right i'm not a film fan and it was definitely not for me right so but that's that's the beaver trilogy four no no i i understand yeah yeah but you remember when we finished episode fifty three and we got oh halfway yeah, I'm sorry through. I apologize you're right the 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 Beaver trilogy four the the actual documentary right that's yeah, what yeah. we're talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. it's I'm sure it's great sure but I don't know if you recall but right. when we finished fifty three when we discovered there was an actual Beaver trilogy right one of our great listeners yep. Grant Mastercraft he awesome. emailed us links because I couldn't find them so you and I came up with this idea 
that we'll watch all three and right. then we'll break them down for our listeners at the end of today's episode yes. and explain to them. And we did do that. No, no, no. I did that. Well, I attempted to do that. You didn't watch no, them. No, no, I did not watch them. So you have no idea. I loaded them on the computer. Yeah. I started to watch them. Yeah. I saw the intro. Okay. As like, then some guy starts talking and he's pointing. That's Dick Griffiths. Okay. And then, then the next one, I kind of fast forward, like... It was so incredibly cringy. Uh huh. I felt embarrassed watching it. it made Which me one? Feel the first one? All three of you them. You didn't watch them, bro. I all three of them. It's all the same movie. You just fast forward. You Let can me tell explain. The splits. No, no. I'm going to explain to Let you explain. and the listeners how it works. Sure. The first Beaver trilogy, part one of the Beaver trilogy, yes, is. All Dick Griffiths yes. and Trent's camera. Yes. So obviously we know we, he does the impressions. Mm -hmm. And in, the, in this, we actually hear Dick refer to himself as the Beaver Rich Little. Mm. Do you remember Rich Little? I don't know. Uh, Are you kidding me? Richard Little? Yeah, the impressionist? No, I don't remember. Dude, when we were kids. Who did he do impressions Everybody. Jordy Jessel? Everybody. Okay. He was one of the world-renowned in person. He was on Johnny Carson like once a month back in yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah, Well, we also learned that he did Barry Manilow. Wow. Um, and we also found out that he worked for the Union Pacific Railroad. And he named his 64 Impala Farah. That was news to me. Wow. Do you ever, by the way, you ever name your cars? No. Neither do I. I think that's a woman thing. Because no, my mom. I thought it was always a man thing. You name it a woman. No, my mom names all of her cars. I've never named. No, I think it's a sixties and seventies thing. Man, maybe. Um, anyway, they got close-ups on the carvings of Farah. Farah looks great. Yeah, Olivia literally looked like an orangutan. Oh no! Yeah. Oh <laughs> it my was god! Fucking bad, dude. So I was <laughs> like, yeah, I think I understand why Yeesh. he didn't show that in the in the cut. So we hear. Um, Orangutan. Trent, Trent gets these letters from Gary. Okay. And in, in the letters, Trent reads them, but the letter reads, I hope I haven't bothered you in any way with the calls that I've made. If I did, I'm really sorry, but this assembly means so much to me. You really made my day. I was so glad to have the pleasure of meeting you. I've gathered some of the best talent that I could find for this show. I'm honored to have you and extra do this. And you, Trent, for taking the time and interest in me. I need the exposure so bad that only two together, that's the name of the show, could give it to me. It's scheduled. The assembly's at 10 in the morning. Trent, please be there so much. Just, just for Beaver and for me. I'm really counting on you, pal. I've been so upset about this. The only thing that calms me down is Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on TV. Aww. Not to mention Sesame Street. be a little sad. Not to mention Sesame Street. Aww. Trent, please come down. I'm begging you. I will be putting, uh, on ma putting my makeup on in the mortuary at 8 a.m. Oh, fuck my so life. So obviously you can see Trent's yeah. like, this is the story of a fucking lifetime. Yeah. So we go, you go down there and then we see, you know, Gary, Groove and Gary get his makeup done by the mortuary lady. Right, right. And then um, he has to go change, and then he comes out, and he's dressed in, like, all black. No dress, which is surprising. So he never wore a dress. Um, but then we go to the auditorium. The local football coach, <clears throat> um, 
Gary keeps pumping up the local football coach. Okay. And he's like, we know how much this coach means to this town and this entire city's proud of him. Well, we also learn that Gary got a backup band called the B-Steps okay. to perform with him when he does the song. Oh, cool. Now, here's what's weird. He's wearing the exact same clothes that we saw when he met Trent. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Are the B-Steps like a B-52 cover band? No, they're just a fucking local backup band. Okay. So anyway, uh, he's very concerned that people aren't going to think he's normal. So he keeps saying, look, I'm a guy. I'm a guy. I just happen to love Olivia Newton-John. Right. I do, man. She's fantastic. But I don't want anybody thinking anything else. So then he puts on the wig. He does the impression and he nails it. Nice. And then he says, I don't quite know what to say. I guess I ought to be going now. Oh my God. This is important because we'll get back to that later. Okay. So then he rolls out to Farah and he pops in an eight track and lip syncs that one song. Please don't keep me waiting. Now, I was surprised he didn't name the Impala Olivia and he chose Farah. That was really bugging me for some reason. Mm. So anyway, Trent chooses to get an establishing shot of the auditorium. And then there's an MC who's a real life person. And he opens uh, the show and introduces Joan and Judy Kessler. And they're two girls that come out and sing the happiest girl in the whole USA. Okay. But the problem is only one of the girls sings. The whole time. Correct. Weird. So the other girl's just staring and not singing. Weird. But this isn't a movie. This is a documentary. So you're like, okay, these people are just fucking weirdos. Then a 14-year-old freshman named Christy comes out and does her rendition of a country western style tuned Let Me Be There, and she can't carry a tune. Like, she's just bombing. And what is this for again? This is the talent show that Gary's put together. It's just a talent show. They're supposed to suck. No! Gary thinks it's going to be his big break. That's what people don't understand about talent shows. Okay, but here's my conspiracy. They're made for people to make fun of them. But here's my conspiracy. I was like thinking maybe Gary hired all these people that suck so he can stand out and Uh, look good. Smart. Because they all suck. Well, then the marching band comes out. Okay? They're throwing their batons in the air. I mean, that's pretty cool. Then a woman comes out. I've never seen this. She does a stand-up routine playing two different characters. One's freaking out on this side of the mouth. The other's freaking out on this side of the mouth. I'm back over here. She just goes That's on. It's fucking weird. It's fucking weird, and it's not funny, and no. it's awful. Well, then it's time for the main event, and of course, that's Gary as Olivia Newton-Don. Now, the B-Steps, they're pretty good, but Groovin' Gary, it's atrocious. He's too breathy. He squeals. It's just brutal. Now, here's what we don't see in the movie, The Beaver Trilogy 4. Well, at the end of his song, some guy walks out from the wings wearing a creepy mask. It looks like a monkey mask. Okay. And scoops him up and carries him off the stage. That's like a... Isn't that like an old-timey thing where the, 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 monk, the ape... Is it? Something like that. That seems like something old-timey like that. You know how they used to have the hook? The hook, of course. But something about an ape, something in an ape costume. Well, here's the point. This is never mentioned in the movie, and it's so bizarre. Yeah. And obviously, Trent didn't set him up to do this. He's just going there to film everything. You can tell it's not directorial. It was Gary's choice. 
So that's how it ends. Wow. And you're just like, what the fuck did I just watch? But that is the best part, and they didn't even show it in the Beaver Trilogy 4. Huh, so then we have the Beaver Kids starring Sean Penn. So basically what you need to know is this. Yeah. It plays pretty much the same way, yeah. except this point, Trent has hired an actor to play himself. Right. As well as Sean Penn. Correct. Now, for some reason... Oh, it's both people. That also was a little confusing. Oh, is that why you got confused? That was... I mean... I, like I only watched very few sp- snippets of each little movie, but yeah, it's terrible. Well, we see Sean recreating that scene where he's writing the letter to Trent, right. but now Trent, for some reason, he's got an Italian accent, and we're just like, "What?" That that I didn't see. What are we doing here, Trent? What are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> so we see Sean practicing lip syncing with a hairbrush. And he's just like, I enjoy being a guy. I really do. Oh my god. I'm a guy. Well, you shouldn't be Coach Martin has a great football team. Shouldn't I do like John Travolta? Uh, I'm probably going a little Travolta. She's also gay. But it's doesn't help. Correct. But it's basically a word for word recreation of the original doc. Right. Okay. Now, this is interesting. Trent decided to cut in the awful girl singing from the documentary and splice it into the film. Hmm. Okay? That's now, fun. he does recast the MC, uh, who now introduces him as Olivia Newton-Dawn, and then Penn comes out with the B-sharps, or whatever the fuck they're called. He's just as bad as Groove and Gary. He just fucking sucks. So what happens? The talent show ends. Penn walks off stage thinking he crushed it, and all of his friends are just like, you suck, you're never going to make it. So... The MC says, if people saw that on television, they're going to call you a fruit. Well, Penn goes home, calls Trent, Italian Trent at this point, and says, you cannot air this footage, okay? You cannot air this footage. It's going to ruin me. And then he puts a gun in his mouth and cocks it. And then right before he pulls the trigger, a woman calls him up and says, hey, I just want to let you know I was at the talent show and you're a real creep. Just kidding. Oh. Just kidding. I think you're great. Uh-huh. <laughs> so imagine you're a real quick bang. <laughs> the point is he doesn't kill himself. Now, three yeah. is the Crispin Glover one. Right. Also known as the Orkley Kid. Correct. Well, this one is the one he got Slightly the 50 better gr- camera. But it, and 50 grand. Yes. So he starts out with this amazing shot of yeah. Crispin Glover in the mountains with the moon behind <sighs> him. <sighs> He's always out of breath. He's always out of breath. Why? All right, go on. And he's singing Olivia Newton-John's Don't Keep Me Waiting. So he sneaks back into his house, and his mom catches him, and she's like, are you okay? And of course, he's like, yes, I'm fine. I was outside. Yeah. Everything's okay, mom. So we go back to his room. He's got the Farrah Fawcett Farrah Fawcett poster. Farrah Fawcett. Farrah Fawcett. But then he goes to his friends at the diner and he's like, hey, you got to hear my new uh, Marlon Brando impression. And Uh, they're all just like, dude, what are you doing? (laughs) And his best buddy, Merrill, is at the diner. And he's like, hey, Merrill, my dream is to go to Boise to get on television, my hometown. Wow. And the next thing we do is we see him in Farrah driving off to Boise. And he drives all the way to Boise to meet uh, the TV station manager. And 
they he gets into the TV station. They throw him the cold shoulder. Well, then he meets a cameraman in the parking lot that begins filming him. Now, it appears to be the same actor that was playing Italian Trent in the previous version, but now he doesn't have an Italian accent. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. So... He does the, the John, continuity is terrible. He it's brutal. He does the John Wayne, but the camera breaks, so all the footage is lost. Oh, that sucks. That happened in the Beaver trilogy too, by the way. But I forgot to tell you that. So Terrence, Terrence Italian, Italian Terrence is no longer Italian, right? So is there, are there any more uh, talented people in Orkley? And he's like, Oh yeah, I know everybody. So <laughs> he comes it's who's home. who? I bet he comes home. And then you see the Farrah Fawcett poster. You see his fish tank. And then you just see him caressing a mannequin's wig. What? In crisp and clever fashion. Come on, it fits the profile. That's pretty hot. Let's go. Well, we learned that Chris McGlover got fired from his job because he was a shitty dog catcher. Yeah. That so, sounds like a shitty job anyway. But yeah. So then he writes Terrence the letter and he inserts a scene from the second film into this one of the letter writing. Cool. So the more hey, sometimes you got to just use old assets. <laughs> yeah, actually. So they have the same mortician lady as two, but not the first. Right. Okay. And then there's a pair of girls named Connie and Kathy singing the happiest girl in the world. Huh. Remember these girls where one was singing? No. And the other one just stares into space. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. couldn't tell if they were the same girls or not. So then Crispin gets dressed as Olivia Newton-John, but she's in the men's room, and somebody busts bus him and walks in wearing a gorilla mask, and it's his best friend, Meryl. Whoa. I'm like, What's what? What's happening now? Exactly. Well, He's we trying to get that metaphor down right. Something, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a girl who wants a big black man to come take me away and fuck me. Well, his friend is shocked when he sees Crispin in drag, I'm not trying to because he's like anything. I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, Kristen's like, "What are you talking about?" And Meryl in the gorilla costume says, "I thought you were going to do your Sammy Davis Jr." And Kristen's like, "No, I'm Olivia Neutron Bomb." Whoa. <laughs> okay. So these these are like these are like the names of all. You know how like they try to get creative with the names of um, cover bands? Yeah, of course. This is like the same shit. Yeah, Dread Zeppelin. Dread Zeppelin. Dread Zeppelin's a good band. Yep. Alice and Change. That's, just, <laughs> that's pretty good. So anyway, Crispin. Oh, real quick, very yeah. quickly. <clears throat> there was a story I just heard about Mitch Hedberg. Uh-huh. And he was like, he tried to uh he tried to get he was he's in Vegas and he didn't want um like he had cash on him to like get his room. They're like, no, you need a credit card. He's like, nah, man. The cash is what the credit the credit card represents. The cash, man. That's like if you hired a Pink Floyd cover band and then got mad when Pink Floyd showed up to do your to do your show. So I just thought that was amazing. That's, that's like a great a, point. That's a, that's a it's a great fucking Mitch Hedberg joke. Just that he's just telling to a fucking attendant. It's a pretty great joke. It's a fucking great joke. All right. So before Neutron Olivia Neutron Bomb comes out, the drill team comes out. Same drill team. From the second movie and then chris crispin makes his entrance entrance there's a fog machine and we see the audience clapping and then he bombs it's brutal it's worse than pain what do you mean he bombs he can't, they can't sing oh right 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 okay right, right it's right. just god awful 
So, and I will always love you. Now, remember, sorry, that's my singing. Penn got, or the, he originally got carted off, uh, fucking dick by the, yeah. mo- by the monkey face. Right. He got, he got picked, he got picked up or picked up f- and carried yeah, off. It's weird. Now, his friend Merrill was supposed to do that job, but because he's creeped out and thought he was going to do Sammy Davis Jr. instead of fucking drag, there's no monkey to take him off the stage. And the monkey turns his back on him. Yeah, that'd be racist. <laughs> and walks out of the auditorium. Right. Well, Crispin calls Terrence and says, you can't put this on TV. Mm. It's back to Suey time. He puts yeah. the gun in his mouth mm-hmm. and he's getting ready to pull the trigger, but he can't. Right. And then he puts the wig back on. And he realized the safety was on. They don't, and they don't tell us why. Right. But then he goes back to the diner and puts the wig on. And everybody's there, and they're like, like you oh fucking freak. Oh, shit. And he's like, I need a cup of coffee to go. <laughs> he just turned into the character. Yes. He's like, oh, yeah. And then he says, I really don't quite know what to say, but I suppose I ought to get going. That's fucked up. Then he jumps in Farrah, pops in an eight track of Olivia Newton Dawn, and just drives out of town singing, and that's the movie. Fucking great. Great yeah. movie. Yeah. So... Here's what I would say. Tell me. It's a three. Yeah. The Beaver Trilogy is also a three. Now, obviously, you didn't enjoy it because you don't understand yeah, what art ten. is. <laughs> no, no, it's three dockings out of four dockings. That's impossible. It's fascinating just from a perspective of watching something start from a kernel of an idea. Right. Then moved up to uh, a better idea and then three fleshed out to a much better idea which three is you're like you're actually like you're comparing it literally to shit (laughs) like it starts off as like food and then it gets processed into and then it gets flushed out of your asshole and flushed down the toilet literal garbage but whatever like i get it it's the 70s so no it's not 80s it, it was 84 that that was mid 80s it started from 79 to 84 but it's so, personal camera stuff what's that it's personal camera stuff what do you mean personal camera well stuff? i mean it's personal no i mean it wasn't personal i guess it was a little higher end no i'm dude the third one he had a fifty thousand yeah, dollar budget well the, the yeah the third one the camera is a lot better well you can go out and find a copy the transfers are not great they're clearly videotaped dubs of the film which is also hard to you know to really critique something when you're right. watching a copy of a copy of a copy, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Archive.web. We, that's exactly where I found it, mm-hmm. thanks to Grant Masterpiece. You got all your 20-year-old opening Anthony shit on there, too. Did not know that. So if you guys do want to fulfill um, the Beaver Trilogy... Yep. Um, it's, the Beaver Trilogy Trilogy. Yeah, it's one, two, and three online, and then four you can get on Amazon. Yeah. So that's it. I love that's it, That's the man. Beaver Trilogy 4. It's pretty good um dave yeah we have a great podcast around here why yes. do we do it we do it for the porn that's no, right <laughs> no but I, honestly we do it because of the fans and for our own mental health exactly yes we had a lot of fun this week i think this was a lot of fun we were gonna show this um we were gonna do like a group watch thing on discord but we should do that for things coming up more yeah we will more and, often and, and we'll, we are have some new stuff 
coming about soon. Yep. We're going to keep that under wraps because you know me. I like to just surprise people. Um, But again, listeners, if you have the time, please leave us a review. Yes, five stars. Tell me how much you hate me. Yep. Or you can go to Spotify or you can uh, give us a follow on uh, Down on the Docks on uh, Twitter or Down on the Docks Pod on Instagram. And Dave. We got to get that threads going. uh, We do. We'll get on threads at some point. And then, uh, of course, thank you to Broccoli Farms, as always, for your continued support. That's it. And we will see you next week for episode what number, Dave? 55. That's correct. That's Down on the Docks, and we'll see you next week.